Amanda here. Today's episode is brought to you by a fellow grant professional and a great supporter of our podcast. Margaret Brazda Poirier is the founder of a national grant consulting company, Grants for Good. After having trained thousands of people in how to find and develop winning grant proposals, she created a self-paced online course at allaboutgrantwriting.com. This eight-module online course provides you with a step-by-step process from beginning to end so that when you complete all the modules, you have also completed a full grant application that is ready to send off to one or many funders. Check out allaboutgrantwriting.com to find out how you can access this course and make a positive difference in your community. Hello there. I'm Kimberly hayes Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Season 3 of the, the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. It's also a real possibility that we'll break into song, la la. talk about pie, Mm-mm. or refer to you, dear listeners, as y'all. Hey, y'all. And we hope all y'all will subscribe to the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our Season 3 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Hey, don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Can I just say, Kimberly, how great it feels to be back in the studio again? Yes, you may. I concur. <laughs> it's been a while. I know. it's There's something magical and different about being in the studio together versus um, having fun also working at your house and your glamorous upstairs office <laughs> um, with the plastic Slash. turnover table that Ben yes. that serves as a our standing desk. Yes, girl. <laughs> but there's this makes it official. It's kind of like going to see the movies in a theater where it's like it's official. It's dark. Yes. There are other people looking at the screen too, and it's a thing. Too bad we don't have popcorn here, though. Although that would not sound really good. Mm. Oh, we could do that ASMR stuff. You know where you make those little crinkly noises on the microphone. Like this. <laughs> hey, that stuff's relaxing, but some of it's just creepy. But That's come true. at me. I like some of it. So in my oh-so-humble opinion, we have an amazing lineup ready for you guys for this, our third season. We've got great interviews with thought leaders in our field, discussions about how to avoid burnout, and some very specific grant-related tips. And I'm going to assume there will also be our typical moments of breaking into song and creating our own thrilling sound effects. Which and are... and high-quality sound oh, effects, absolutely. by God. Because what's a fundraising heyday season without an excuse to make the let's go back in time noises? Y'all love us for it. So, yes, we have all that and so much more this season. We are kicking things off with a closer look at the rise and fall of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos and Amanda's going to relate it all back to the kind of work that we love talking about, philanthropy, fundraising, and grant writing. Yes, I am. So um, let me first tell you the story about how I even heard about Elizabeth Holmes. Whenever I teach a grant management class, um, 
I often will share some current stories about grant fraud. Um, and Same. Yes. And of course, we in season two, we had a rip from the headlines that oh, yes. we shared some of those highlights. Um, and of course, my re, uh, my attendees all, always figure out that I'm a big book lover because somehow I always work books into the conversation. Because you're cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> and um, one of the attendees came up to me on a break and said, okay, if you love to read and you're interested in fraud stories, he goes, you need to go read this book called Bad Blood. And I was like, okay, was this grant related? And he said, no, but it's just, it's about Silicon Valley and this person. And he's like, it's just fascinating. And it is grant related. It kind of can it be. Can, yes. Can be. So I wrote it down and it's on my long, long, long list of <laughs> things to read. Or TBR, as yes, we say. TBR. Um, and I, before I got a chance to get to it, I was on a plane flying to some training. And um, I love it when there's TVs, so there's something good to watch. So I'm flipping through, and there is a documentary, which I'm not a huge person. Like, that's not something I normally jump to. But the title of that documentary was The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And I was like, ooh, I think this may be the same story about that book that I still haven't read yet, but I need to. So I was like, you know what? It's about the same time as my flight. I'm going to give it a listen. Um, so I watched the documentary and sure enough, it was about Elizabeth Holmes and um, was so invested and interested from just the short documentary. It's about an hour and a half mm -hmm. um, that I immediately went ahead and got the book, Bad Bloods, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup by John Kerry Rue, I believe is how you say his last name. Um, and then also there is a podcast out there called The Dropout. Of course, there's a podcast. Of course out there. there is. And of course, I listen to it. So all of this information I'll be sharing you is stuff I've gleaned from reading the book, watching the documentary and listening to the podcast. Because even though it's all the same, there are some things that are highlighted better or maybe not even mentioned in some of the mm -hmm, others. So mm -hmm. together, it really tells that complete picture. So that's that's what began my fascination with this crazy story. Okay. Um, and let me share a few highlights for those of you who don't know anything about it. Um, it centers around Elizabeth Holmes. Um, she, as a young child, she knew she wanted to do something amazing. Like she wrote a letter to her dad when she was nine, basically saying, I know I want to do something that's going to make life better for people. And so she, I mean, what nine-year-old is thinking about that, right? I'm already doing that eyebrow raise thing. Yes. But anyway, go ahead. Um, but anyway, she went to Stanford College, Stanford University, rather. And while there, she came up with this grand idea to revolutionize the process of blood collection. So, you know, now if you need blood work, you go, they stick that needle in your vein and they have to collect several vials. Mm. And it's just not the most fun process. Well, and it takes a while to get the results in the lab. Yes, it does. And there's only two labs, really, um, that are out there today that can do this this blood work for you. It's Lab um, LabWorks and um, Quest, I believe, okay. are the name of the two. But anyway, so she came up with this idea that instead of having to do that, you know, intravenous blood draw, you can just a prick of the finger, collect a very small sample, and that would be able to do this blood collection. So, Which sounds like a great idea. It is. Um, and so she started, you know, talking to different professors and telling different people about it. Um, and during her second year, she, at age of 19, she dropped out of Stanford because she was getting so much interest and so much doing so much fundraising that she realized, I'm not even going to class because I'm already working on this idea. And so she drops out. Um, she was able to put together this incredible lineup of a board of directors for her company, which she later named Theranos. Mm -hmm. um, and where she came up with that name, it's a combination of therapy and diagnosis. So it's Theranos is the name. Um, 
At the height of her career, she graced the cover of many magazines. I believe she was on the cover of Forbes Mm -hmm. um, as one example. She was highlighted as the youngest female self-made billionaire. Um, She was compared um, to the likes of Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and some of these folks um, just certainly making a mark in Silicon Valley. She was also making a mark in Silicon Valley as a woman. Yes. Again, super rare. Yes. Um, So all this sounds great and fabulous and lovely. Um, but two major problems. One, um, her technology never worked, never, ever worked. Okay. So, so that that's a problem that's if you're a, keeping score at home. That's yes. problem number one. Um, and the next problem is um, big lies were being told. So she even the, it wasn't like, hey, I'm working on this tech and we hope to make it one day. No, it was oh, sure, it works, and doing lies to show that it worked when really it didn't. Because she could attract more funding for exactly. her project. Exactly, And we're going to mm. talk later, Walgreens got on board. Um, she was telling people that the U.S. Army was using it on the battlefield in Afghanistan. Lies, no. lies, lies. No, no, no. So, so that's kind of just a quick rundown of that before we delve into some specifics. So some of you who are doing other things other than paying super close attention to what Amanda's just said, you may be wondering, what does this have to do with grants and fundraising? Here's the deal, y'all. While no grant money that we have found out about was tied up in this company and their work, there are a lot of parallels that we're going to hold up around um, things that are applicable to nonprofits and local governments, as well as the folks who create and manage programs at our agencies. Striking parallels, and I love me, I love me some grant fraud discussions. So <laughs> I am excited about this. So let's dive in. Yes. And I'm pretty sure Kimberly loves the lessons learned from grant fraud discussion. Not oh, that we, we don't ever want grant fraud to happen, but it sadly does. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't love grant fraud. Like, don't do it. But yeah. if you do do it and you're really and you get caught because you will, I'm going to read about you and go, mm, mm, and then I'll feel really good about myself. So because yeah, we're <laughs> not going to do, do that. that. Thanks okay. for helping me clarify. Uh-huh. Kids so, don't do that at home. Yeah. So as we mentioned, it all started with this grand idea she had. So she's going to collect these blood samples through right. a simple finger prick. Right. Um, and a beauty of it was that it was a much salt, smaller sample. Um, and part of that, by being able to do that and come up with this testing device, which she wanted it to be like, if you, if you ever see pictures of it, it almost looked like a home printer. Yeah. Like it was not very big. Yeah. Um, so the idea was you can do this small prick by yourself. You don't have mm-hmm. to be a phlebotomist to be able to, no, it's like, get a prick it's like blood. what people used to do, or some people still do for diabetes. They Absolutely. do stick their fingers, just a mm-hmm. little finger stick. And then they would be able to put it into this little machine that you could afford to have in your home, and you could do the testing right there in the comfort of your home. Can you imagine that? So now not having to wait, someone who's worried about your cholesterol, you could do monthly checks and see how things are going. If you, I mean, just the the number of things that could be done and the fact that it could be preventative instead of, because most of the time you get blood work because, okay, something's wrong. Let's Mm -hmm. figure out what's wrong with you. But now if it's more affordable, we can start hopefully preventing like hey you know what based on these numbers you're headed on your way to be diabetic so maybe Mm. before that happens let's do something so it really was a great idea now some of the issues you have to consider about this grand idea of hers yeah Kimberly's laughing because she knows what's coming issue number one y'all just just sit down and listen to this (laughs) she Elizabeth even though she had this great idea she did not have the scientific background or the education to actually implement her own idea remember she got into Stanford but she dropped out in less than two years so mm-hmm. she doesn't even have a bachelor's degree in biotech or anything like this and I'm 
part of it, the, the part of, and I, there have been several stories and, and documentaries as Amanda mentioned, but part of this whole dropping out after two years, she was also really modeling herself on Stephen Jobs and down to the yes. way, what he wore. And he also dropped out. So, so did Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, so many people have dropped out of Stanford and Harvard and then they've made big names, but the difference is they're working on tech yeah. that is just, you know, if your iPhone doesn't work, chances are you're not going to die. Oh, good point. Yes. Good She's point. doing healthcare that could potentially, I mean, think about you do an HIV test at home and it's negative, but really you're positive. Or, yeah. I mean, that's just one example of things that were going wrong. Okay. So, um, not only did she not have the uh, experience herself, when she was pitching her idea to several people, some of her professors at Stanford and other places, so many of them told them, hey, that sounds really cool and really great, but there is no way the science is available now to be able to do that. It'd be like someone going, hey, I want to build a time machine. Cool. But that's not physically possible. There have right? actually been a lot of good movies and books about that. This but yes, they're, but they're fiction. Yes. So she basically kept shopping her idea around until she finally found someone who said, oh, yeah, we can do this. Okay. And we're not ones to squash innovation no. and wanting to make the world a better place. But sometimes the idea needs to have technology catch up to that. And that may be what happened here. Yes. Um, and I think she really... She really just thought if she believed it and willed it and worked hard enough, it could happen. But that doesn't mean it always will. I mean, we could all have grand ideas. We could all want, you know, a certain person to win president or a yeah. certain this or a certain that. It, just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Sometimes it does, but not always. So the practical application here is kind of like what Kimberly says. New ideas are great. We want people to continue to innovate. And when it comes to grants, if you've got a new clever way to solve a social issue, you've got, you know, you've come up with the most brilliant way to fix homelessness. Awesome. We all want to hear it. And we hope you can get funding for it and make it happen. But if you come up with mm -hmm. something that is so, I hate to say out there, but just isn't, isn't physically possible in 2020, it's, it may be a great idea, but if, if it just isn't feasible, we've got to say, okay, we're not, it's just not going to work. So we've got or, to figure something else out. Or work the idea in another way that makes yes. it happen or piloted or something. But yes. anyway, not off to a grounding in the realities of biotech. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, and you need to also understand that some ideas may take more yeah. study, more time, more work, more effort. Dreams just don't happen overnight. So I think, again, it goes back to Elizabeth. The tech maybe would have eventually caught up. The fact that she lied saying it was ready when it clearly was not ready um, is is the major problem here. You know, I'm going to take a quick sidebar here. This It makes me think a lot about um, a lot of times I'm teaching in grant writing or grant management classes or when people just find out what, what I do for a living, they're like, oh, I have this. And I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I have this idea, you know, or what's even a little more kind of makes my antenna kind of go nee, 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 come up and go mm, is, oh, I want to, I want to have my own nonprofit, but they don't know what it's about. They just want to have their own nonprofit. And I'm just trying to draw a little parallel hill. It's, it's like yeah. she wanted to have her own, she wanted to be a billionaire uh -huh. and it kind of didn't matter. And what, although she did eventually pick this thing. And I'm like, 
that always gives me pause because the people I've known, and I am not one of them, who have these visions and dreams to start, they're like, I want to feed the hungry. I want to make sure that everyone in the city has access to a safe park. I want my firefighters to be able to get out to the scene uh, in half the time. It just as it's sort of like, I want my own nonprofit. It's sort of like, I, I don't know. It's a weird twist on entrepreneurship yes. that I'm just drawing a little parallel to her about. So anyway, that's that's just all I wanted to share for yeah, now. No, that is a good point. Yeah. So. so getting back to our story, she was able to use her privilege, her family connections, yes. her very persuasiveness, because apparently she is quite persuasive, to build this impressive board of directors. I want to read out a few of the names, and you can find a full list in many different places. Um, then I want to point something out. So I'll just hit some of the highlights here. Um, George Schultz, former U.S. Secretary of State. Sam Nunn, former U.S. Senator. Um, James Mattis, um, who was in the Trump administration and is a also a retired Marine Corps general. Henry Kissinger, William Frist, former U.S. Senator and heart and lung transplant surgeon. Um, Dr. William Fagey, the former director of the CDC. Um, just a host of people, some of whom had medical backgrounds, but to only two, two on her board had a medical yeah, background. And yeah, one of them yeah. was he'd been a heart and surgeon. Lung surgeon, but that had been a long time ago because he'd been a senator. And Dr. So. Fagey was leading, he was leading the charge. He did incredible work for the CDC. Yes. But he also was not in the sort of the biotech part of what this required. So she had a lot of heavy hitting names, but really no one that had that specific kind of expertise, which has parallels in building your own nonprofit board, you yes. know, trying to seek that. So anyway, interesting, but again, lots of flash, but not people no, that's that's a disrespectful to all their experience, but lots of experience, but in other fields, yes. flashy name, eye catching names with lots of experience in different yes. fields. That'd be like trying to put me on a board um, that's to work with accountants. I'd be like, you don't want me to be there. I know nothing I about accounting. Well, although right? you could add fresh ideas about how to work with non financial professionals in the workplace. This is I'm true. Gonna, but, I could, but I could be a one off. But if all if everybody on that no. board was non accountants, no. that's how are we going to help the accounting? Field? Field, right right so and again her her ability to persuade legendary yes. because all of the folks on this board and by the way there i just want to jump in and say that there were no women on the board either i'm just i would just like to hold that out there please have more women in leadership roles um but everyone had nothing but very positive things to say which is nice too but also on a board you may want to have people well, it's never pleasant when it happens, but people who will say, mm, that that doesn't sound right, or can you tell me more? Or they're, yes. they're challenging you in a professional and civil way so that everyone's at their best, if that makes sense. You don't want to yeah. surround yourself with people who just think you're great. Yeah. We don't, we don't want a bunch of yes men or what yes women for that matter. Well, no, in this case, it would be yes men. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of why that board was happening, it's almost like she got a couple on board. And I think most of them were like, oh, oh if well, he said yes, I'll say if, yes. Yep. You know, if Henry Kissinger's on your board, who wouldn't want to join that lineup? They weren't doing their own research to find out if she knew what she was even talking about. So between her, 
she, I mean, she clearly, people talked about her, not only her looks, charismatic. Her, she was a very charismatic leader. They talked about that. They talked about her board. And I think people were just blindly following that. It was impressive. Yeah. It really was. When I first heard about it, I'm like, wow, look at that. A woman so young, taking charge. Yeah. And then it was like, mm. so yeah. 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 And so some practical application here is just, again, board members should encourage prospective investors and other interested parties to do their own homework um, and not just take their word that what they're saying is a great idea, right? Um, and your board should reflect the work your organization does so that they understand what is going on. So, and like you said, it's okay to question. I mean, it's sometimes it's uncomfortable when that happens. I've been in board meetings where mm. it's been like, wait, I need to know this. And you're like, oh, are they questioning authority? But you should. That's what a board is there oh, for Amanda. to make sure things are working, right? I'm so into questioning authority. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you got to consider the source of that this authority. But I digress. No. Um, another topic that just baffled me um, is that, um, their CEO, she was kind of eerily akin to a cult leader, sort of the way that she was handled, the way that people were, were looking at her, viewing her. Um, she was definitely the face of Theranos, which sure. is no surprise. I mean, that's Steve Jobs, the Typical. face of Apple. Um, but um, so she was the founder and the CEO. Um, and, but as part of that, if you were part of her inner circle, you really could do no wrong. Um, but if you fall from grace, you didn't last long. And let me tell you, people were fired and were leaving this company left and right. Like that would have been my first warning flag if I worked there. Like, oh, that person was here yesterday and they're not here today. And so was that person. And so was that person. It was kind of interesting how quickly people were dropping like flies. Yes, that should be a warning sign in all sorts of situations. Yeah. Um, like Kimberly mentioned, she was obsessed with Apple and Steve Jobs, and it really showed. She started to dress like him. And he himself was a very charismatic leader. Yes, he was. So sometimes it can work in good ways. I also don't think he was a picnic to work with. Yeah. But uh, it's it's so we're not saying it's good to have a charismatic leader. But if they are everything like because if yeah. you lose them. You know, this is, I've talked about this, like at churches you've, I've gone to before. You have such an amazing pastor. Well, that church should be able to stand if that pastor has to leave Actually, and you have a new yeah, one, right? Because the church it should is stand, the people. It's, it's yes. the people should stand in it, it. When you have one shining star and then that star burns out, then that's not healthy either. Exactly. That's, that's what we're that's trying what we're to get to. about here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but anyway, she was obsessed with Steve Jobs. There was a, there's lots of discussion about how she started to dress like him. Her whole wardrobe was basically black suits or black turtlenecks because turtle that was his yes. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, she deepened her voice. Um, she, she talked like this. Yes, she did. Um, and she even hired several of his employees cause she thought, well, if they were good enough for Apple, oh, so she wooed out of everything of you just away. described. Okay. I'm like, okay, smart. poaching, smart, poaching employees from a company you admire. I'm down with that. Yes. The other stuff, it's like, find your own sense of style. And if your voice is naturally deep, let it be. But I've heard, um, I saw um, interviews with her sort of before and after Theranos. Uh -huh. And it's it's just spooky. Yeah. It's just, I don't mm -hmm. know. We so, can't all be very white. Oh, I love me some very white. Anyway. Yep. So, but she was definitely obsessed with absolute loyalty to Theranos above all else. You know, she would even, you know, people that would go home. At five o'clock, she'd be like, um, why, are you, why are you going home? And people are like, well, I've got a family to attend to or I've got this. And she would be very Okay, she doesn't, sound, she doesn't sound too different in that respect than a yeah. lot of places where I've worked and I have <laughs> issues with that. But 
Also, the idea that you're absolutely loyal to the company above all else and that the company can do no wrong. Y'all, that just ain't right. I mean, no. sure, the company's going to... Th- Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's just that kind of blind allegiance without questions, blindly. F- I'm just, I'm not I'm down with that. So like I mentioned, turnover was crazy. Um, they had all kinds of non-disclosure agreements, right. but which is normal. You're working in this new biotech. That's, but I mean, it was, the paperwork was over the top. Yeah. Um, emails were regularly screened and it definitely was an atmosphere of us against them. If you would see some of their staff meetings where, you know, they were chanting, some not nice things about other organizations. And it was just, it was an interesting atmosphere. So kind of um, following up with what Kimberly said. So some practical application is yes, be dedicated to your organization and its mission, but a healthy work-life balance is just that it's healthy, right? Right. It's just people who only, if all you do is work and have nothing outside of that, that's a a quick route to burnout, I would assume. Yeah. Um, Turnover is normal every place you go, but constant letting go of people. Um, Although it may be the norm more depending on what industry you're you're in. But yeah, it just just sort of warning signs, maybe things you can think about if you are in an agency where that's occurring or you have a friend air quotes that works in an agency that is has some concerns. And it wasn't even the turnover. It's the fact it wasn't like people were had found another job and were working Mm. their two weeks notice. It was they were there one day they were gone the next kind of a thing. Um, And again, non-disclosures, non-competes, those are normal and okay. But to have everything so shrouded in secrecy is not a typical thing. Um, And last but not least, an organization is so much more than their leader that, you know, there's what's the point of building an organization if once that leader is gone, the whole empire topples. So as if that weren't bad enough, <laughs> I've got a little bit more to throw at you. So the COO was sort of um, the her enforcer for the company. You know what? That dynamic is not necessarily uncommon in one sense. But there's usually, usually a CEO is more externally facing and then the COO is, is in charge of operations, yeah. chief operating officer. But... It got a little cuckoo with Sonny here um, when people were making site visits at much like um, a foundation might make a site visit to your yeah. organization. Um, they were followed everywhere and they couldn't even go to the bathroom uh, restroom without someone following them. Now, if it is a highly secure facility, sure, visitors have limited access, but if they're yes. a trusted in my world, a funder making a site visit, it you just it, it was just seemed like unusual security um, protocols. Well, in the example they gave in the book, Walgreens ended up partnering with them right. and was going to start instituting right. their their tech and their um, stores all over Arizona to begin with. They came and spent some time, and they were like, "We get that we can't just be wandering around the lab," but they're like, sure. "We would just go in the front door and no, immediately go yeah. to a boardroom in the front section, and the bathroom was right next door." But not only would they, Sonny Balwani, who was the CEO, he would follow them into the bathroom. Okay, that's just weird. And then come back out with them, like so. It wasn't a yes. We get we can't go everywhere. Getting but. to know <laughs> you, getting to know <laughs> all about you. No, that's that's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. Crazy. And so, Sunny again, a COO um, with a tech background, not yes. again, no health, nobody in this health biotech thing. When the lab director was fired for questioning the testing processes, which was going so poorly, yeah, then. 
this uh, sunny dude took over the role, even though he did not have the background to do so. So he took over. He ran the lab. He ran the lab, someone with no lab running experience. And you may be like, yeah, I've heard that before. I'm like, yes, but it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's a bad thing whenever it happens. Especially again, this, we're talking health issues here. Yeah. Like they, they, there were some mistakes testing and they, and one of the girls that kept calling out like, Hey, test results are invalid. They were like, well, just throw those out and don't use them. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens a lot. Oh. And we have in our rip from the headlines, we've talked about a lot of this in the fundraising philanthropic grant seeking world. People will will falsify outcomes or omit bad outcomes, maybe because they're afraid funding will be taken away, yeah. maybe because they want to please, but sometimes just because they want more money. Yeah, There are plenty of cases, so there are definite parallels. And um, there was a lot of intimidation when people were trying to I don't know if y'all remember that old story, the emperor ha that who has no clothes, right? Yes. Remember, it's like the little boy, the emperor was just like butt naked walking in this parade because he thought he was wearing some invisible miracle cloth because um, inbred emperor family. I don't know. <laughs> and so there, there was like one little boy, a little girl who stood up and said, the emperor has no clothes. And everybody's like, oh, you are naked. And, you know, the, the moral of the story there is to not, um, to not, wear gifted invisible cloth, I think is one of the morals, <laughs> but also to be able to listen to people yes. who are people who have expertise in the area that you claim you want to work. So yes. this to me has implication and all across just practical applications in the nonprofit and local government sector. Um, if the CEO is super isolated and can never see anyone, if intimidation, the leadership style is intimidation, if that's the norm, that's not healthy. And if there's no technical know-how and key roles that need it, that's the things that make you go, mm-mm. Yeah, and um, there should be a way to bring forward um, questions and concerns. And we've all, it's all over the news, all about non-disclosure agreements and whistleblowing and people getting fired for speaking up and crossing everything from government to Hollywood and back again. But the people who are able to speak up and say when an emperor might happen to be basically nude cruising around um, are the are my heroes. Yes. And to not even allow that is just a bizarre and another symptom that there was no substance to all this flash that she was bringing to the uh, to the show. Yeah, that's a very good phrase. Yeah, she brought a lot of flash. And yeah, there was no because she wanted to, to do up. something good. Yeah. But she wanted to have her own. It's just like people who look at me. I, I want to have my own nonprofit. I'm like, yes. Well, <laughs> why? What why, for? <laughs> what for? Who? What? Who do you want to serve? Why? Is there already somebody who's doing that? Can you do? Probably can, yes. <laughs> yeah, because probably yes. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. So as you can imagine, just the whole thing was lies and half truths and deceits. Um, she, Elizabeth told investors and partners that the technology worked. Um, she had the machine called the Edison, which was the blood testing machine saying it was used on the battlefields in Afghanistan. She said it didn't require FDA approval. Uh, yeah, it did. Um, I mean, hello. Yes. She said that the technology had gone through all this rigorous t trials and testing. Uh, no, it went through nothing. She just started using it. Um, she also talked about her whole, reason for starting this was she had an uncle that had been very sick and she, you know, spent summers with her aunt and uncle and she just hated to see when he's already feeling bad and he's having to get all this blood work, which makes it even worse. And that's where she got this whole idea. 
all of these things that I just mentioned, they were all false. Okay. So she had basically had a company that was working on that over promise under deliver model, which, which is, is, which should, is actually not the model I would recommend. No. Um, and it's just, she so believed in the power of her idea that she didn't stop to do all the actual work required to make it a reality. I refer you to the emperor walking around. With no exactly. Clothes on. Just so, saying. Just saying. and again, the, the idea is here is, Honesty is always, always, always the best policy, especially in grants. You know, kind of like Kimberly said, things things aren't going the way you thought. You need to be honest with your funder. Like, hey, this is going haywire. And if it's a clinical research grant, you need to be honest about the outcomes. I know that the pressure to publish or perish is strong. Yes. But you just, if you're just, if it's lies on lies on lies on lies, it is going to come out eventually. Well, and there is, there is benefits in finding out what doesn't work. So, okay, fine. This doesn't work. Didn't work. So nobody else wastes their time on this. Now let's all move on to the next thing. So speaking of getting it all done, don't skip, skip steps. No. Get all the work done, get to the finish line um, and make sure you take care about that. So again, employee issues were ignored, employee driven. Hey, this isn't working. Hey, these tests are false positive. There are too many false negatives, false positives. The machines aren't working. Um, scientists and other leaders are re- just explaining, hey, just the dimensions of this machine. It's just, it can't handle what you think it's it was, supposed to. It was so, to. she had basically told everybody such a small sample of blood and you can test on this tiny little device. That's all she cared about. And they kept telling her it's not enough blood to do the testing. This machine is not big enough. It can't stay cool enough, but she didn't care. She wanted it to fit this idea of this tiny thing. And she just, she didn't care that it didn't work. She just kept telling them to go back and fix it and fix it and make it work. So, I mean, there is something, there is something to be said for keeping on and being dedicated to get something done, but not in the face of all the facts Yes. Um, so there's a balance between being passionate and moving things forward because there are people who've done incredibly difficult things and have stood up for what they believed in um, um, and civil rights and peace processes and many other things. But this is a machine that doesn't work. This is very different. Yeah. And what really gets me about this, too, is that apparently many board members were notified that there were problems Heck, and they ignored They them. did. Not only that, Henry Kissinger, his grandson worked for Elizabeth and he came to his grandfather and said, look, I know you love this girl and you think she's great, but this is going on. And it was years later before he finally realized his grandson was telling him the truth. He was believing Elizabeth because she was so dynamic over yeah. his own flesh and blood yeah. who was there going... I, I've tested this. It doesn't work. It was crazy. So again, just in a practical sense, I mean, you can all get the moral of this story. It's like when people, when if it's one disgruntled employee who's speaking out because they didn't get the new um, fur-covered wet bar that they wanted for their office, which sounds gross, by the way, but... <laughs> People are people. People are freaky sometimes. But um, but if you have this critical mass of facts coming at you from all different angles and you still don't believe it or still don't want to talk about it, that's when things can go wrong, not only in the business world, but also in the nonprofit and local government world where it's like you don't want to admit you're wrong. But I've never been worked. I've never been working. I've never. Hello. Using my words. <laughs> I've never worked on a grant project that went completely according to plan. Ever. Ever. And it's okay. I think when people try to cover it up, or in this case, just they just become maniacal about this, that's when things can go wrong. So again, 
leading through intimidation is, is a terrible idea. Ignoring what's going on is a terrible idea. Covering up and fudging results, all terrible ideas. Yeah. And you can't blindly follow a CEO, no matter how dynamic she has to be. It's, it's okay to step back sometimes and say, Hey, we need, we need more info here Mm -hmm. to get comfortable and get on board. And that can be an uncomfortable position, particularly for grant developers, grant managers, development directors, and other folks, because a lot of times you're calling, you're raising something up to someone who is maybe several pay grades above you. And I've done it and Amanda's done it. And we we talked about it in season two and educate up. It's, it's never comfortable to have to tell somebody with technically more authority to you that they're wrong and you're right. But again, I don't want to go to jail. So yeah, step up and do it. Yeah. Agreed. Anyway, so let's do some specific tying in to the grant world um, for this story. So going back to some of the things we've talked about that not every great idea can be translated into reality. Okay. Going back to, again, not every grant idea is feasible either. I don't know how many times I've had somebody tell me, oh, we need a new city hall. Amanda, can't you just write a grant for that? No. I'm wiggling my nose and going. (laughs) Yeah. Let me get on that. Yeah. No, there's no grant for that. So uh, just, just know that there's not a grant for everything and you've got to do your research. And you know why there's not a grant for everything? Because some things are bad ideas. And also for federal funding and state funding, you know who funds that? It's you. Exactly. It's your money. So think about that, my friends. The next time, you know, someone's like, oh, can we get a federal grant for free pizza for the rest of our lives? I'm like, (laughs) you're actually paying for that pizza, sir or ma'am, with your taxes. Is that where you want your tax money to go? No one likes taxes. So let's don't create crazy business to uh, throw away everyone's money on. True story. Just saying. I think honesty is always the best policy. You get caught in a lie and funders will wonder what else you're lying about. And of course, that's going to hurt future funding opportunities. So you lie in your reporting, probably not going to get future grants from that funder. Okay. True that. Um, it's a good idea to create a surround yourself with a grant team of po- people that question um, your ideas, they listen and they make practical decisions and then you want them to have the ability to dream about bigger and better programs, but you've got to have that balanced in reality. Okay. Um, and again, your leaders should also balance vision with practicality and they need to be open to ideas from their own employees. Okay. And then that last bit of advice I want to share is that aid age old adage. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a big old lesson in all sorts of things. (laughs) Yeah, the story is full of so many crazy things, and we just barely scratched the surface here. I highly recommend you check out um, one of the sources um, for the information, Um, because when people say that truth is stranger than fiction, I feel like this story is the perfect example. They're not kidding. So um, is everybody in jail now who was associated with this? Uh... No. Well, as of the taping of this episode, which we're here in March of 2020, both Elizabeth and Sunny are awaiting trial. Um, based on all I've read and some of the news stories I've listened to, I would be shocked if no jail time occurred um, because of the all the lies they told their investors. See, um, I'm just shaking my head going, yeah, I won't be shocked yeah. at all because... Welcome to cynical town. <laughs> yeah, but we won't know any of this until the actual trial mm. and sentencing occurs. So, you know, I'm keeping an ear out because I'm dying to know how this story ends. So I think we all are. And we hope that going through this sort of tale of rise and fall, 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 fall really far down. We hope that it 
helped you sort of think about parallels that may be going on in organizations where you are working or where you are consulting? Obviously, this is a, this is a huge, dramatic story, but there are all sorts of little dramas going on every day. And we hope that this gives you sort of a what to do and what not to do in those situations. So thanks for listening in. Thank you again to our season three sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com, to learn more. Remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn. And we would love for this podcast to be part of your professional development lineup. So maybe think about subscribing to the podcast. That'd be great. Love it. Ooh, and we got a brand new website. Check it out www.fundraisingheyday.com. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes this season, including our next one on ethics. Mm. See you then. Bye.